Season 2, Episode 3 of The Fix, giving you education, solutions, and troubleshooting for the baseball pitcher, featuring pitching motion expert Angel Borelli. I'm your host, Joe Janish, publisher of OnBaseball.com, as well as MetsToday.com, which is part of the ESPN Sweet Spot Network. Angel Borelli holds a master's degree in sports science. She has been a strength and conditioning coach for 35 years and for the past 20 years has focused specifically on investigating pitching deliveries. She has pitchers from the little leagues through the big leagues visit her to find the solution that will take them to the next level. And she also works with pitchers recovering from injuries, giving them programs that get them back on the mound while also finding and correcting the flaw or flaws that led to the injury in the first place. And we're lucky enough to have Angel here for our weekly podcast, The Fix. And I think we have her on the line. Let me just get her here. Hey, Angel, how are we doing? I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Unfortunately, a lot of pitchers are not. It's uh, the last time we spoke, we had, um, I think we only had a handful of injuries, maybe like, maybe one or two injuries to talk about. Um, We did some discussion about Homer Bailey, but wow, a week makes a big difference. Um, I went to check the, just some of the injury reports. Back on Friday, it's, it's Tuesday now. I checked some injury reports on Friday, and all of a sudden, it was like it, it was like the dam broke, and and every pitcher was injured. It was it was really unbelievable. Um, just just a quick quick rundown of what's been happening. We've got um, Vincent Velasquez with a lat strain. Uh, we've got Adam Wainwright with an abdominal strain. Apparently, he was moving weights around or, or something in the weight room. Uh, Brandon Compton with elbow discomfort. He was examined by Dr. Andrews the other day. Uh, Mike Miner with shoulder tightness. Tim Collins with elbow problems. Gavin Floyd with elbow problems. Uh, Mark Appel with forearm tightness. Cliff Lee with an elbow problem. Addison Reed with shoulder soreness. Drew Smiley with shoulder tightness. Um, and then the big one, Hugh Darvish has a UCL tear. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. Angel, what is happening? Well, I think the take-home message from this is, besides um, probably lack of preparation, but the big take-home message I want everyone to hear is the variable that changed in the last week is that all these guys were facing hitters. And a pitcher is different when he's facing hitters. Part of preparation that I use with my pitchers coming off of injuries or getting them ready for the season is that they don't face hitters for the first time in competition, and even though these are spring training games and they're like you know, only in for a few innings, the minute you get a pitcher on the mound and the world is seeing him and he's got an audience, that's a game. And you've got to, in the privacy of practice, construct scenarios that expose the body to the kinds of stresses to the best you can so that's why you have inter-squad games. It's why you have scrimmages and why you do these things in practice. It's why pitchers in rehab go from having someone stand in to have, facing some hitters. You don't want to have this happen when they're playing another team because you, you are, you're the victim of surprise. And if you, one of the reasons that we do preparation when we get ready for training, uh, you know, spring training, is not just to prepare the arm, but if there's something wrong, we want it to come up. We actually want to see 
if there's a problem with somebody who's had a prior injury or to make sure that they're ready to go. This shows me that these guys were not ready on some level because all it should these things should not have happened, particularly the muscle strains. That's saying that they put their muscle through something that felt brand new to that muscle. And that shouldn't really be the case because pitching so specific, all those muscles should have been, you know, you should add some awareness of the condition of it. So this doesn't happen when, I mean, I, all my guys, when they go back, I, and this is for all these years, they don't have trouble, you know, when they first start playing their games. And it's because we're very careful about making sure that if there is anything going on, we, are, we know ahead of time. So that's the take-home message. A game is different than anything else. Do the best you can to simulate the kinds of stresses of a game before you actually put a pitcher on a mound. And that's an important message for coaches to understand. And also for pitchers who are doing a throwing program, and the second they're on the mound for uh, 40 pitches in a bullpen, they think they're ready to face hitters. No, you have to face a hitter. Get one of your friends out at the field. And that's how you really know you're ready. And and that's, to me, a huge message from these numbers, which are insane, by the way. Right. Yeah. I and there, you know, I have a couple of questions for you specific to some of these. I mean, we there are so many of these pitchers that are hurt this week, and I I did a little bit of research on a few of them. At least one of these these guys I know goes through a really intense off season workout with a with a you know a, a conditioning coach um, where he he you know he's doing things to work his his um his midsection. You know, everybody talks about that being you know, really important to have your your uh, your midsection very strong and and all that. And so they he does you know an additional long tossing and from that he he throws medicine balls and does other kinds of things. Like these guys, shouldn't they be in really good shape when they? I mean, they should be in shape going into spring training. They shouldn't be getting hurt like this if they're if they're doing all these intense workouts in the winter time. Yeah, well, here's what you want to do when you look at what a pitcher did. And anybody who's injured right now or who got injured in the first season or who gets injured in the next few weeks, you really want to carefully investigate, just like you do a crime, you want to investigate all the clues so that, one, you get some understanding of how this could have happened, and two, so it doesn't happen again. And like I always say, you start planning things well in advance. So if you came into the season this year and you weren't ready, mark that down so next season you don't make the same mistake. You have to be careful with training. Training can get out of hand with all the fancy gimmicks that are out there and everyone thinking, wow, we have to be strong and yes, rotation's important and yes, let's do long toss because the arm's recovering, it'll help it recover. You have to remember that a lot of the modalities that you choose put as much stress on the elbow and shoulder as pitching. It may not feel the same or look the same to the pitcher or to somebody observing. But, for example, if a pitcher is using long toss and he thinks he's doing this to recover his arm, the force is past 120. 120 feet is the same as pitching. Anything beyond that starts to double and triple and quadruple the velocities around the elbow, the forces around the elbow, and some other things. So you have to understand that if you're doing that, while it might look uninvasive, it is actually the same as pitching in some ways. So you have to be sure you're recovering from that. And you have to know that it is not really you resting your arm. 
So you have to be sure that everything is carefully thought out. And what I think happens is people have blind spots and they're not connecting the dots. So let's say you say, I want fast rotation, which we'll be talking about rotation next week. Rotation is very important to velocity. But if you're taking a medicine ball, let's say that's 15, 20 pounds, and you're flinging it against the wall through a rotational movement, wow, yes, that rotation muscle might be getting stronger. It's going to move a little slower, but it's getting strong, and strength is important to speed that you would develop afterwards. But your shoulder and elbow is flinging the ball against the wall, and it's not used to having elbow extension with that kind of rapid extension with a 15-pound ball. So you're looking at the waist thinking, this is awesome for the waist, but you're not connecting the dots. So I'm not saying any of these guys did that or didn't do that, but these are the ways that little stresses can get sneak in to a pitcher's preparation, and guess what? He gets on the mound, and is his tissue fully recovered and totally prepared for pitching? Maybe not. And so then he's got all these other things to think about. So I think that we have to be careful when we're applying a lot of the knowledge that we want to have with what the body needs to do well, but to make sure that you look at the whole body and what it's doing and not just focusing on one part like, oh, this is going to be great for his rotation. In the meantime, the elbow is extending and throwing something that it's not used to. And this, and you have to remember, pitchers' joints are everything. And they're sensitive and they're under a lot of stress. So whereas you as a layperson could do this, you have to know that you're not a pitcher and the pitcher's elbow needs to be protected in a di- different way. So I think that's one of the things that, that happens. And I would be looking at all the programs that these guys did or didn't do Um, The muscle strain sounds like lack of preparation. Some of the injuries sound like incorrect preparation. Okay. Yeah, there there are a lot of exotic programs that I've been hearing about over the winter, and I uh, I don't know. I'm not not so keen on all of them, but um, let's get beyond that. Um, I have a question specifically about um, things that pitchers should be doing when when they're having some issues with – uh, I guess you'd call it general soreness and that sort of thing. Um, for example, Gavin Floyd, who had um, reconstructive elbow surgery in 2013, and then last year he made a few starts for Atlanta after coming back from the surgery, and then he fractured his olecranon. We talked about that, which is that uh, fractured his elbow. We talked about that last year. He came into camp with the Indians, having some general soreness and he was scheduled to have an MRI this week. I don't know if it was today or yesterday, but I just read that on Sunday he threw long toss and I'm thinking, is that what he should be doing before he goes to find out what's wrong with his elbow? Or or is is this like a normal thing to try to, to, to do some long toss to, is there something behind that? Or is that just to keep his arm strength going? Why, why would a pitcher do that? Who has an elbow problem? The normal protocol, regardless of the controversy over long toss, and I don't know why it's called long toss, it's throwing and you're throwing at different distances. You're not tossing. It's kind of strange. So the real bottom line question is, if a pitcher is having some discomfort in his elbow, should he throw a ball? 
Now, when a pitcher is scheduled for an MRI, he should probably rest until the MRI to avoid the kinds of things that make MRIs difficult to read, like inflammation, et cetera, although they use the best they can, uh, the best they have, so that's probably not an issue. But normally, if you're deciding to have an MRI, you probably are usually resting your elbow. Now, the reason why sometimes a pitcher may uh, want to go out and throw a ball is let's say something happens, it occurs, and then he rests it, and he's like, wow, my arm feels good, and he wants to test it out. That is a risky thing to do, but did he do this within the confines of the team? In other words, did the team say, hey, go out and throw long toss? That's the first question. The second one is, when they say long toss, did they mention the distance he went out? I don't know exactly if it was something that the team prescribed. I, I think it was it's hard for me to say because I, I don't know for sure if if teams say, you know, do your long toss or you should do long toss instead of going on the mound or if the or if the pitcher decides to do that or if or if the pitcher talks to the trainer and the pitching coach and they all confer. I'm not really clear on how that goes at the major league level. I know at the college levels, um, you know, the program is the program or whatever the pitching coach says. But once you get into the pros, things get very sketchy as far as things like that. I don't know for sure. It didn't say anything about the team saying they had him do long toss or he decided to do long toss. And I couldn't find anything as far as the distance. So okay. unfortunately, I, so, I, have, I have no answer for you. Okay, that's okay. But here's what everyone wants to know. And you want to remember this when you decide that you are possibly injured and you want to go out and you want to test your arm out. 120 feet flat is similar forces to... Uh, pitching downhill at 60 feet. Once you start getting beyond that, everything starts to double around the elbow and triple. And when it gets way beyond, like if you go to your max, it, it gets exponentially increased with uh, uh, all the feet that you uh, add to your distance. The two places on the elbow that we're concerned about is how rapidly the elbow is extending and also the, how much force uh, the elbow is having to produce to keep the bones in place. And this is when you hear descriptions of forces and it's how ligaments get uh, get um, uh, injured. So there's two things, forces and also the velocity of the elbow. Both those things start increasing, like by three, four, five times. Once you start getting out beyond 250, I mean, I think they stopped the research at 250, and then they had them go out, you know, at longer distances. But here's what we know. We know that you're increasing the forces, especially with a past history of an olecranon injury, which is really possibly related to elbow extension velocity. I'm not sure, since he probably doesn't know why is his elbow hurting again, the chances it's related to an old injury are uh, very great. And I don't know if you want to be using a modality that increases the forces beyond what you're going to be doing on the mound um, to test it out, it's particularly prior to an MRI. So something's not making sense here. It's not a great way to test it out. It's not something recommended. And once again, the best thing you do when your elbow hurts is you shut down. Now, if you're not going to see a doctor, you shut down, and then you start with short distances and test it out. If you're shut down and it's serious enough to where you've scheduled an MRI, don't do any testing of it. Go get the MRI and find out what's happening. Because if there's damage, you're running the risk, especially in that vulnerable state of injuring it again. So it was an unusual thing for him to do, particularly with his history of two serious injuries. 
So I'm not sure what he's thinking, but that's the take-home message from this that we can learn, and it's how you make the decision as to what you're going to do. I'm I'm glad you explained this because I've heard on many occasions from pitchers of all ages, even going down to, you know, the – some of the youth leagues and the, and the high school levels, pitchers feel like they have some soreness or they, they have some, you know, some mild pain and they think that they can do things to throw through it. And I know, I know that a lot of pitchers go out and they say, Oh, you know what? I'm having a little pain. I, I'm just going to do some long toss and kind of air it out and just get everything loosened up. And, and yeah. that's, it sounds like that's not the thing to do. It's got exact opposite of what you might want to do. Yes. In fact, I think it's very dangerous. In fact, I think, uh, there, there were some pitchers. Um, if I'm not uh, correct me if I'm wrong, there were some pitchers that actually, uh, on interview, mentioned that they felt something and they pitched through it, or they t- kind of look at it like it's nothing. The only way you know that something's wrong is your body will let you know through either inflaming or becoming unusually sore, not recovering, or it'll create some pain. That's your body's language. When you think you can pitch through it, you're completely ignoring what the body's saying, and it forces the body usually to have to get louder. And it's why it doesn't work out. So a guy who ignores something, and I believe there was a pitcher who ignored something, uh, ended up with a serious uh, injury in his elbow because he thought he could throw through something. Now, here's what you want to know. Your brain and your body are pretty smart. If you've ever walked around limping because you hurt your ankle, You'll notice that on your other leg, your knee or your hip will probably start hurting. And it's because you're altering your mechanics because the brain's not letting you put weight on that ankle the way it does when you walk normally. So your gait changes. That is why you come off of crutches, you come off of an injury. You've got aches and pains in other parts of your body. If you go out and pitch through soreness and you think, oh, I can do this, your body immediately alters its mechanics. So if you have a sore shoulder, your arm will be lower, let's say. If you have a sore elbow, you're going to possibly deliver the ball a little bit differently. It's why it doesn't usually work out. It definitely affects performance. But what you're also doing is affecting your mechanics. You're also affecting other tissue. And it never really works out. Your body doesn't just let you keep hurting itself. It starts to make tiny alterations. This is how we survive and how we live so long. So trying to think you can outsmart it. But the number one reason for injury is um, uh, pitching with a fatigued arm. Now, fatigue has all different kinds of faces. But if you're sore somewhere, that tissue isn't fresh. If you've got something hurting, that tissue isn't fresh. So it's in a type of a fatigue state. And pitching through it only ends up with really bad things happening. The other thing we know that is the best thing on our sides to getting past injuries is early detection. If your body is starting to whisper to you, this is sore, this is tight, this doesn't feel right, that is the most beautiful time to get on top of it because now you've got early detection on your side. Your body's whispering, not screaming. And to take that whisper and ignore it to where it actually ends up screaming, you've gone from a rest, a mandatory rest period with maybe no tears to a tear because you ignored something. So the take-home message 
from thinking you can pitch through it is that you're not as smart as your body, and your body usually will always win, thus all the injuries that do have these guys shut down. Well, Does let's, that make sense, uh, let's take Joe? A, Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's put that to a real-life example. Two of the biggest names that are on the shelf right now, uh, Mark Appel, who is one of the top prospects, one of the top pitching prospects in baseball, and you, Darvish, you know, one of the one of the top pitchers in all of baseball. These two pitchers had very interesting um, similarities over the past few days. Um, Mark Appel, well, first, you, Darvish, is is out. He might he might have to have Tommy John surgery. He he seems to have a, a strain or a tear a tear of his um, UCL. He had he was experiencing triceps tightness in his bullpen session mm. before he went into the game. He ignored that sign, went into the game, pitched, was supposed to pitch two innings. After the first inning, he said that he had some elbow elbow discomfort, and it turned out he had a tear. Now, contrast that to Mark Appel, who was going into the second outing of his spring, of the spring on Monday. He was playing catch before the game, felt felt great, went on the mound for his bullpen session before the game. He started to feel mild forearm tightness. And the team heard that, and they they just shut him down. They said they said sit down, you're not pitching today. And he's you know his comment was, hey, you know I've pitched through worse, um, you know, I'm, it's it's not a big deal, it, you know it's I I actually feel fine. I have had good zip on the ball, this and that. I didn't have any pain, just a bit of tightness. That's all. But the Astros shut him down, and they said, nope, you're not going in the game. That's that. I really have to wonder if. If you Darvish had been shut down, and but and instead of being allowed to go into the game, maybe he wouldn't have a tear right now. I mean, it, the, the, you know, these these are two situations where one pitcher felt the un, the the discomfort, didn't go on the mound. The other one felt the discomfort, went on the mound, and the rest is history. I mean, this this is an exact illustration of what you just discussed. Yes. Well, kudos and five stars to the Astros for recognizing that forearm tightness is one of the first things that pitchers will tell you they started having that led to their final days on the surgical table. Forearm tightness, and everyone knows I've been saying this, and if you listen to me, you know that I believe this, forearm tightness is the biggest red flag. And so this kid being shut down, good for the Astros. Now, why wouldn't the kid shut himself down? Because he's a kid, he just he got a new job, and he doesn't want yeah. to look injured. And that right. is the stress that pitchers are under. That is why we have to have people around us monitoring and calling the shots because the pitcher is not going to want to look like he's injured. So that's the first thing. With Darvish, I would tend to say that this tricep tightness he had was a reflection of a tear that he already had. My guess is if we could get him to be honest, and, you you know, we don't know what the team knew. He probably was doing right. the same thing, not talking about it. But right. my guess is he didn't hear a pop when he pitched, which means that it wasn't probably acute. I think popping happens most of the time, maybe not all the time. But my guess is before the tricep tightness, he was having some symptoms. But here's what we know. Let's pretend he wasn't. 
and let's pretend he just all of a sudden had tricep tightness, and let's pretend that he got on the mound, and that's the moment he tore it. And they'll know more when they go in and look at it. The muscles protect the ligament. If your muscle, that means the forearm, that means the tricep, the bicep, all the wrist, all the all the muscles in the lower arm, if they are not fresh and able to protect the elbow, the ligament is hanging out there on its own vulnerable, and it cannot withstand the forces. It needs the tissue around it, all the muscles to be fresh. It's why we want you recovered before you go to the mound. It's why we don't want you feeling soreness in a muscle because that means that your first layer of protection is shut down. So for him to think he could pitch through it. And did he have a, a, a surgery before, Joe? Is this Will this be his second or is this his first? No, this, he didn't have a... He didn't have any surgery, but um, at the end of last season, he had some elbow issues that I believe shut him down. I think he only, I think he only threw in about 22 games last year. Um, he, okay. he had an, he had an elbow problem at the end of last year. Yeah. So, so yeah, here's the take home message from this for all the listeners: It's insane if you've been through elbow pain that you would then start to experience something and not respond to it immediately. Because if anybody's the expert, it, it it really is the pitcher himself, who especially has been through pain that maybe didn't require surgery, but required extensive rehab. And listen, the pain that pitchers go through in an elbow, it's not fun. And I've seen their faces. They should be the first ones on high alert. So I'm not sure what happens or what Kool-Aid they're drinking or why they go completely unconscious, but it is scary. And the teams can't always be blamed because if he didn't say to anybody he has triceps tightness, but that's a red flag, just like the Astros. I mean, thank God that pitcher mentioned it. Uh, They probably saw him grabbing it or maybe he just mentioned it. But thank God they stopped him. And yes, Darvish, we don't really know because there's probably some pieces we're not getting here. But always, 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 never think that if you don't feel good on the mound that your body will make a turnaround in the middle of your performance. Sometimes with a tendon injury, it'll feel better as it gets warmer, but that can actually mask the danger you're doing to it. So you don't want to pitch if anything doesn't feel right. And every pitcher has had bullpens where they get on the mound, they know exactly what it feels like to feel good, and they know exactly how well they're going to do. When something doesn't feel that good, don't expect it to turn around and be better during your performance. It's going to either injure you, reduce your performance, and cause further injury. So, that is why you do a bullpen before. It's why you play catch. It's why you warm up your arm correctly. Never be surprised. You should never be surprised. You should always know the condition of your arm. So that's the take-home message for these two guys. Yeah, Dar- Darvish, wow. I, j- I just checked my notes. Darvish was shut down as of August last year. He had an MRI after he experienced elbow discomfort the MRI showed that there was inflammation in the elbow and they shut him down for the end of the year. So he, he had an existing elbow problem. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he thought just like hanging out all winter and it would just somehow fix itself because when he, he came mm-hmm. into the spring, it, it didn't take long before him to get hurt again. And I, I'm really surprised that 
he had he had that issue. No, knowingly had that issue at the end of the year. Knowingly was shut down last year, and then he has some tricep tightness and decides he's going to pitch through. I mean, he, I, you know, I look at the notes from from when he was hurt from the uh, his quotes. It's like his whole his whole plan was, yeah, I have some tricep tightness, but instead of focusing on velocity, I'm going to focus on location. So, I, you know, I don't know what he was thinking. He just he just thought that he was somehow going to avoid not putting more damage to his elbow by throwing maybe not as hard. I don't know. It, it, it seems yeah. It seems a little crazy, especially when it's yeah. springtime and you, there are no games to be played for another four or five weeks. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you know, sit down, find out why you're having the issue, get it fixed mm-hmm. if, it needs, if it needs to be fixed, Wh- whatever needs to happen. You know, you have the time to do it. But, you know, like you said, the pitchers want to pitch. They want to be on the mound, and it's really hard to stop them from doing it, which is why you need cooler heads to be in control, not the pitcher himself sometimes. Yeah, and you should you need to have the right preparation before you get on the mound in a game, and you should know what's you should always know the condition of your arm. So something something's missing here, uh, and, and of course we don't always get all the information. But from the information we have, that would be what we can learn if the situation is as it was described. Right. Well, speaking of preparation, I think it's about time for a little bit of cheddar chatter. How about uh, if you give uh, give the audience a little tip on velocity? I think we're on number three of 26. Yes, we are. And, uh, yes, I will be surprising everybody with 26. So uh, we've been talking about the stride. And um, next week we're going to talk about rotation. And rotation is the part of the motion that happens after the stride is completed. The pitcher sideways when he's up on his active balance with his knee up. He strides down the hill. That's also a sideways position. And then rotation happens, and that's when the speed really starts to pick up of the motion and the velocity is going to be applied to the ball. The reason why the stride is so important is because it is the base for rotation. So it's why we're talking about the issues we're talking about, which is um, if something happens at the beginning of the motion that blocks something that happens near the to the middle or the end, you're going to have decreased performance. So the stride's critical to setting everything up. So we've, I've asked you to stand to the front side of the pitcher and look for certain things and then behind the rubber. Now I'm going to ask you once again to go over to the rear side of the pitcher so that you're looking at, if you were looking at him and he's striding out and landing, and let's say he had jeans on, you would be able to see both his pockets and he's actually sideways, may not be totally sideways. Everybody's got a little bit different placement of their pelvis, but basically that's the phase he's in. What I, one of the things that I see that is most common, and believe it or not, it happens in the bigger pitchers more than it happens in the, the youth pitchers, is uh, what I call the sinking front leg. This is the one of the last things I want to talk about with the stride. So what happens is when the front leg uh, lands, what we want is we the front leg lands with about a ground reaction force that's actually equal to about 70% of the pitcher's body weight. So that foot's hitting the ground hard. Of course, he's going downhill. He's not pushing real fast because he's not going to run, but he has to have a controlled sort of intense stride. That foot hits the ground. And the next thing that's going to happen is a ground reaction force is going to, and this is physics, his foot's pressing against the ground, the ground starts pushing up towards the leg. And that energy is actually going to be transferred into the next phase of the motion, which is the rotation. So we want that front leg in a position to where it can transfer that. 
what you see on really big pitchers, and I see this on pitchers that also have like really short legs and long upper bodies and different configurations of their physiques, is as the foot lands and they start to make the turn, you'll actually see the front thigh, and the thigh is, I'm going to describe it, it's the, the part of the leg that goes from the kneecap up to the hip, right to where you would put, if you put your hand in your pocket, it would be right there where your fingertips are. You actually see that thigh start to sink downward. So as the pitcher's turning, he's actually sinking down towards the ground, and his leg then will end up looking, and I'm going to say his thigh, again, from the knee to the hip, is actually parallel to the ground. So it looks flat like a tabletop. And so you see the, the pitcher land, and he lands with that thigh higher, and then as he's turning, he starts sinking down, and then he faces the hitter, he's completed his rotation, and now he's down low to the ground, and the pitch then happens from that position. Sinking down into the ground means the energy was going downward through the leg instead of being transferred, so we have problems with that. Also, it reflects a weakness behind the knee, but really and truly, when you look at pitchers that are doing this, it actually affects their release point and the whole rest of the motion because they sunk down to the ground. Now they've got to use their rear leg in a different way than what we would want to see them using it for. They're really not able to get over their front leg effectively. And they end up looking from the side like they're actually sitting in a chair and trying to reach out and throw the ball. And remember, whenever we're not using all our parts, any part you're not using to the best, that puts extra work on the arm. And that's where the pitcher is definitely going to put it. So we don't want parts of the body not doing their job. So watch for your pitcher. Make sure that when he lands, there's an angle to that thigh. And then actually he maintains that angle or it actually he straightens up a little bit more as he's pushing himself over the front leg, which we've already talked about, and make sure he's not sinking. It is physiologically, when you understand the muscles and the way they work, it's actually a lack of strength. There's a lot of muscles working and he's giving way to some actions that he doesn't want to give way to. But training is actually teaching the muscles not to do some of the things they do, but to do what you want them to do. And this requires strength behind the knee and a strong thigh. So everybody take a look at your pitcher, make sure he's not sinking and transferring energy back down into the ground as opposed to putting it forward onto the ball. He's actually letting gravity do its job pulling you down instead of resisting it, which requires strength. So that's my tip this week for making sure that the velocity is there. Your max velocity requires all the transfer of energy that you can get, and this is one place you don't want to leak out miles per hour. And that's my Angel, third that's, tip. <laughs> that's fascinating because what you're describing, what I what I see in my head is what a lot of the old school guys will recognize as the drop and drive um, method of, of pitching, which is something that was made famous by Tom Seaver and the and the Mets of the old 60s and early 70s. So what I would like to do is on my website, on baseball.com, we're going to put an illustration of what you're describing and, and an illustration of what you should be seeing so that, so that the, uh, the parents and coaches at home can 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 see what they need to see and what they shouldn't see. What do you say about that? 
I think that's great, and I'll try to find something. And actually, the drop and drive, I think, uh, describes more uh, them thinking you're supposed to lower on the back leg and then drive forward, which in a sense isn't incorrect. Uh, This would be uh, if you dropped the back leg, you reached out forward, and then you allowed the front thigh to keep sinking. So I'm not sure the drop and drive, but, you know, I'd have to see what you're talking about. But to the listeners, we'll get pictures up that depict it exactly so that you'll know. But I think uh, if you just watch the leg from that side, if the inner, if the thigh gets lower, it's not supposed to get lower. It's supposed to be braced behind the knee with a nice little angle to it so the pitcher can get over his front leg. You can't get over a front leg that's sunken. So, okay, and also it's just got the opposite direction of energy that you want. But, yes, I think that's yeah, a great idea, and we'll both look for some photos, and we'll get something yeah, up there. Yeah, pictures will make this a lot easier to understand. But I mean, I can see it in my head, but I think the pictures will really make it. Yeah. Um, all right, Angel, thanks so much um, for joining us this week once again. And, and thanks to everyone out there listening uh, to my conversation with pitching motion expert Angel Borelli. If you want to learn more about Angel's background and how she takes pictures to the next level, visit her website, gymscience.com. That's G-Y-M-S-C-I-E-N-C-E.com. It's where you can find tons of great free articles on pitching mechanics and injury prevention, as well as Angel's book, Engineering the Pitching Elbow, which is a book full of strength and conditioning exercises specifically for the elbow and includes a full program for keeping the arm healthy during the off-season and as well as in-season. So once again, that's gymscience.com. For more about me, visit metstoday.com or onbaseball.com. You can follow me on Twitter at onbaseball. Thanks again so much for listening. We hope you learned a little bit, and we wish you safe and effective performance on the pitching mat. 